There we go. There we go. Man, to me, it, it, it is always a joy. Uh, holidays. Holidays around this time of the year, especially where, where we get to enjoy seeing family, joy, the, the, the holidays, joy, just, just being a part of the moment. And, and to me, one of the things I love is, is just the reason why we have holidays. And especially this time of the year, we have Thanksgiving, we have Christmas, we have the New Year. Uh, seems like typically Thanksgiving has one that, that we have kind of passed over. I think this year in like, oh man, maybe October, I started seeing Christmas trees at Home Depot, which is kind of mind-boggling. Anybody else that's mind-boggling to see Christmas trees in October? I've seen ho- or, uh, uh, Valentine's stuff already in CVS. Kind of crazy. But to me, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving to me is a, is a fun time, seeing all the family, just being joyful, grateful for all that God has given me. Uh, to me, Thanksgiving, though, back in the day when I was in high school, wasn't a holiday I looked forward to. Uh, when I was in high school, I was a part of the wrestling team. And with that, we were in season, and our coach would always have us on the track at our high school on Thanksgiving at six o'clock in the morning. And it was one of those days where I was just like, oh, Thanksgiving, I just needed to, to these next two hours just to be done, be over with. I need to endure it. I just need to persevere through it. And it was this aspect where, where I knew if I could get through these next two hours, I could enjoy. I could enjoy the turkey, the mashed potatoes, stuffing. Oof. Who likes cranberries? God bless you. I'm not a fan of them at all. Um, but I remember, especially in high school. Now, now, as you could tell, we, we talk about I'm the bodyguard for, for Pastor Michael here. I'm a, I'm a bigger boy. Um, also in high school, I was a bigger boy. So, so on the track, I, you know, I was a heavyweight. We had heavyweights, 14 weight classes, and the lowest one was 103 pounds. Now, that 103-pounder could run circles around me. That's just being honest. But this aspect where he would be running sprints on the track, we would all be running sprints. But it was the longevity of those sprints. See, I couldn't pass him on those sprints, but, but the endurance. Slowly but steadily, I would continually run. And, and in those days, we would do about six, six and a half, seven miles in those two hours of sprints, of relays, of all these different things on the track. And even in those hard times, I knew there was a time where it was gonna end. And I knew we are gonna be off the track. And I knew I could go home and I could shower and I could sit on the couch and we could help with, with making dinner and we could have family over and we can enjoy the festivities. Today, we're, we're going to be talking about that joy. Like on the racetrack, it, it's, it's like for me, this journey of faith. We're going to be sitting in Hebrews today, chapter 12, 1 through 2, and the author of Hebrews is wanting us to continually endure the race. And I believe, and we look at the scripture, that, that it's because we endure, because we know what is to come the joy that is set before us. It's this aspect that I love. So before we get into it, just let's pray together. God, 
You are holy. You are just. You are righteous. You are loving. You are merciful. Lord, this is your platform. This is your stage. Lord, I, I pray that our hearts are open, our ears are hope, open to, to hear your word, to hear your message. And Lord, no matter how we come, Lord, let us know who you are, a good, loving, gracious, justful Father. And Lord, you've given us, as we're here in Christmas, you've given us the greatest gift. Let us continually fix our eyes on you. Enjoy you, treasure you. Lord, anything that is not of you, Lord, we rebuke it in your name. And let us just sit at your feet today and enjoy you more and more. In your name we pray, amen. So open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Just a little context. We don't know the the actual author of Hebrews, but we do know that he knows the recipients of this letter. We know that, that he has a desire to unite with them. It was probably, it was written in the first century, somewhere around 70 AD. And as he wishes to be with his audience, he's also encouraging them to remain steadfast, to remain faithful. See, see, this is a time of persecution, and, and these believers were somewhat fragile. They, they were not always like gun ho to, to, to embrace the gospel, to share the gospel, to live out the gospel. And, and he's wanting to equip them, wanting to encourage them, wanting them to desire to chase after God more and more. So that's kind of like our big idea today. Our journey of faith, it's like a race. And it is essential that we finish that race by having genuine, honest, real, authentic faith. And like when I was running on that track, we may be tempted to slow down. We may be tempted to stop or or simply to coast, but the author of Hebrews is wanting us to know that it won't be easy, but it is well worth the race. And he helps us see that as we run the race and, and we go towards the finish line, there is nothing better. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse one starts like this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such Great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so clearly, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that is set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He starts off by saying, therefore. Now, if there's any kids in here or or high school, junior high students, to me, English or literature was like the worst subject for me. Like I, oh, the, I don't want to say hatred, but the dislike that I had for it was not anywhere that I found joy in. And, and, And so if you're in first, second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth, tenth, or in college, you can still learn. I, I, I promise you this. And, and it's this, in this aspect, aspect that this word therefore stuck out to me. 
See, I had a friend that encouraged me and, and we meet up for coffee, we hang out and, and he was helping me understand more of literature, more of context, um, sentence structure. And so whenever he says, you know, whenever you see the word therefore, ask the question, why is therefore, therefore? And I'll say, hey, that's kind of tricky. Like, that's, that's kind of cool. And it's this aspect where the author is, is literally pointing back to what he previously stated. See, he's saying, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And if you woke up today where I live, there, there was a lot of clouds. Metaphorically, the author is saying it's, it's this vast uh, vast amount, a great uh, amount of people, a host of people. And who are these people? They're witnesses. Now, luckily, I have been asked to go to jury duty, but I have never sat on a jury. Hopefully, some of you guys are in the same boat as me. Hopefully, I don't have to sit on a jury, Lord willing. And, and, and it's this aspect that these people are, 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 are witnesses. Now, they're, they're Old Testament witnesses, sharing their testimony. These are not people who, who are up in the heavens like a stadium looking down at our lives. Because we know those saints, those people that are up in heaven are literally looking right at God, saying, holy, holy, holy. I mean, to me, the, the joy of being in the presence, the literal presence of God is something that I cannot wait for. And these witnesses are engaged participants who, who, who their lives are testimonies. They speak and testify that God keeps his promises, that he will redeem his people, and, and they need to live by faith. Their life was before Jesus. They're looking towards Jesus. Hebrews is pointing back to what Jesus has done, who he is in the Gospels. The author of Hebrews focuses on current believers learning from those who have gone before them, not to stop, not to coast in their journey of faith. There's a, a, a Scottish, I love that, Scottish theologian James, James, uh, named James Madoff, and he says this, in, in talking about these witnesses, it is what we see in them, not what they see in us. And talking about these witnesses, going back, as they use the word therefore, going back into chapter 11, it's those who have ran their respected races, starting with Abel in chapter 11, verse 4, and working all the way through the Old Testament, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Joseph, Moses, Israel, as they're coming out of Egypt, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets and the list go on. It's those who have finished their respected races and now with one collective voice desire to continually convince us that God remains faithful, keeping his great promises and that he will never disappoint us if we stake our lives in joy in him. And the thing is, we, we cannot think that even in the hardships of life, the pitfalls on our race, the hills that we will face or, or the difficult and challenges that we will endure, that the outcome is questionable or uncertain. God is faithful. 
Whether we talk about Noah or Moses or Abraham or David or you or me, God is unchangeably good and faithful and will always prove himself to those that run the race and as he marked out for them. See, these witnesses continue to run their race no matter the circumstance. Speaking personally, uh, a couple years back, um, my father, I remember it, it was a Wednesday night, a midweek service. I remember uh, simply because I was, I was literally standing in front of our, our sound booth in the youth room. And I was talking to some students, it was about 8.15, and, and their small groups were out, and we're kind of just hanging out in the youth room. And I remember my phone was vibrating because I felt it in my pocket. And I remember I took it out and I saw and it, 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 it was my mother. And, and, and please always pick up your, your, your phone when your mother calls. Um, I did not. Uh, she, she usually knows if, if kind of Wednesday nights from about 6.30 to about 8.30 or, or Sunday mornings, I'm teaching or, or, or with students and, I, and I'm gonna spend my time there. So I took it out and I was like, all right, I'm gonna call her back. And I put it right next to my computer. And I saw that, that the phone went dead and I turned back and I'm talking with a couple students and then I got another phone call from my mom. Now she knows I, I usually don't pick up but, but if there was that second phone call, she knows immediately I'm gonna pick up. And I pick up the phone and my mom says, your, your dad's having a hard time breathing. I'm taking him into the emergency room. And I remember uh, having the phone up to my, my, my ear and, and I'm facing the soundboard and I turn to my boss, David at the time, and, and he just looks puzzled. And I got off the phone with, with my mom and he said, what's up? And I said, I, I, I gotta go. Um, my dad's having a hard time breathing. And I remember him saying literally drop everything and go. Him and my buddy Steve, literally, they, they closed up shop and, and took everything, every, every care for me there. And I remember getting to the hospital and, and we found out the aortic valve in his heart was 90% closed since birth. Um, his main valve into his heart wasn't getting the proper uh, fluid, proper flow into it. And, and we were at Placentia Orbelin Hospital and I remember them saying they were gonna have to transport to him to a different hospital that, that is like number one in the country for heart surgeons. And uh, I remember we took him there and he's in ICU and it was about two or three days, I think two days from the day we got there to the day we were gonna go into surgery. And uh, I remember on that day, kind of in between, the day before the surgery, I remember me and my mom were in, in the uh, ICU, in the room, specific room just for him. And I remember turning my mom and, and my dad was kind of all, all having stuff on him and he was sleeping at the time. He was in a lot of pain. And I remember just turning to my mom and said, do you want to pray? She just looked at me with tears in her eyes and said, yes. And we started praying and it was this moment. I, I just remember, God, just, just comfort us right now. Give the doctors clarity and wisdom during the surgery. Lord, Lord, be with us because this is hard. This is rough. But at the same time, Lord, if, if something happens where, where we know that you're gonna take them, take them home, do it. Whatever is gonna glorify you, just do it. 
even if that is taking my own father, Lord, do it. But I'm going to need to see you clearer. I'm going to know, I need to know that you are here more than ever before. But I know if, if you desire to take him home, I know this is the best thing. So God, give us clear vision. Let us know your promises stronger and more than we ever have before. See, the reason why I tell that story is I, I've shared my testimony many times. Whether it's at, at washing laundry facilities or, or getting coffee, um, this past summer, I remember specifically I, I was speaking at a high school summer camp. And I just shared my story throughout the whole week. And uh, there was a student there who uh, in the last year lost both her mother and father. Um, loss of cancer and a heart attack. I, I, I knew of her. I didn't really know her at the time. Um, I just knew she was coming and, and her view of God was not clear, was not a good view. But, but the people that God surrounded her with, her family, treasured Jesus. They loved Jesus. And she came to camp and, and I didn't really have any conversations with her at camp Except for at night, she literally only came up to me after I share my story, after we would talk, and, and all she would say is, thank you. It, it, it wasn't me. I, I did not know her. I, I did not know, you know, how, how, really honestly, her last name. But it was this aspect where, where God has been working through me to show that he keeps his promises, even in the hardest of life. The author of Hebrews says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. So as we run our race, we, we listen to the testimony of those who have gone before us. And then the author is saying uh, another point is that as we run our race, we're to, to let go, take off the things that impede or hinder our race. So the first thing is literally pointing back to the first section of verse one is to listen to the testimony of those that have run before us. The second aspect is that we take off the waste that cling so closely to us. And, and he says a very unique thing. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin. Every weight and sin. The, in, in this context, um, in, in ancient times, racers, athletes would literally strip everything of them to go faster, to get to the race, to finish the race quicker. So nothing is impeding them. Now you see in the Olympics, racers have these like, like uh, 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 spandex type of suits on. Swimmers, they typically will um, shave their, their hair off their arms and legs so that nothing is hindering them on their race. And it's one of those things that I got to ask, what is keeping us from moving forward on our races towards the finish line? What is keeping us from our spiritual maturity or growth in knowing and treasuring God above all things? Could it be the things that we look up on our computer 
Or maybe when people tell us something that we really want to know, that we don't want to say the word gossip, but we know that is gossip, or the jealousy of our, our neighbor's house or car, could also be those things that we need to let go or that, that inherently aren't evil, but in its proper, when we take it out of its proper context, they actually are hindrances. Maybe it's a meatball sandwich at Vita's. <laughs> Maybe it's the football game after Sunday. See, they're not inherently evil, but they become sinful when, when they're hindering us, when, when we put them where God should be in our lives. And you may be asked, Matt, what, what are these things? I don't know what they are in your life. Some of you guys I've met, some of you guys I haven't. I don't know what's hindering you in your life, but I know what's hindering me in my life. To me, one of the, the things that I love is actually a hindrance of mine. I love conversations. I love asking questions, learning more. The thing is though that, that sometimes in these conversations, I was literally at a Crave Coffee about two weeks ago for three hours. <laughs> you, you know it's bad when the barista's looking at you and she's kind of like. I was like, okay, we'll get another drink. <laughs> Hey, here's a big tip. But, but it's this aspect. To me, I, I love conversations. But sometimes those conversations, they're hindrances. I spend a little too much time there that, that because I'm talking about God, I'm not actually talking to God. And, and that to me is I think sometimes we actually, we actually do. I think as someone who, who vocationally works in ministry, and this is just being honest, I think sometimes we, we run this, we talk about so much about God that we don't talk to God it, it, it is, is a very bad thing. To me, that's why I'm trying to, to, to portion the conversations I have. I enjoy them, I love them, but, but I wanna put them in proper context because man, I, I wanna just see more of Jesus. I just wanna know more about them. See, when we run our race, we will begin to understand the things that are restraining us, that are holding us back in our race. And, and, and to be honest, it won't be easy to lose those hindrances, um, but it's well valuable. We can't make progress without ridding ourselves of the things that cause us no progress. Remember, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. So we gotta lay aside our weights and, and, and continually go to God in those moments, asking him to help us, getting a clear vision of who he is. So we have to take a look at our lives and see what is hindering us in our race. What is keeping us from growing in our pursuit of glorifying God by enjoying him in our lives? Could it be a business associate, a friendship, a relationship? Could it be the internet, professional ambitions? Maybe it's even a genre of music or movie. If we say that nothing is hindering our race in life, 
I think we actually need to ask, are we running the race? See, the thing is, as we look at these witnesses, we we have to understand that even in verse one, they had hindrances in their life. And it says, continuing on, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Remember, this is not a short sprint. Speed is a good thing, but the length of the race is essential that we're continually going, continually moving towards the finish line. See, the thing is, God has marked out a race for each one of us. And it's the best race for each one of us. My race is different from yours, from yours, and from yours. Your race is different from my race, different from Pastor Michael's race, different from Tim's race. We all have different races, but we have something in common. Two things, actually. One, we have the finish line in common. Two, the duty to run that race. And as we run that race, we look towards what? The finish line. And it picks up in chapter two. So as we listen to the testimony of those who have ran before us, and as we lay aside all the weights, we do a third thing. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Look at the words once again. Looking to Jesus. The author is telling us to look to Jesus. The author doesn't say to look at the witnesses. He says, listen to their lives. Listen to the testimony that they have done. But look to Jesus. Why? Because he is the greatest of all runners. And don't lose sight of him. He was the one who ran the perfect race. When, when, when you translate the word looking in the Greek, it means literally to fix your eyes. Turn your eyes from other things and fix them on something. And like in this race, he's not saying just, hey, fix your eyes once. No, he's saying continually fix your eyes on Jesus. Ask any professional runner. They don't look at the people on the sides. They don't look to the sky. They don't look at the ground. They don't look at their feet. They don't look at the the number on their chest. They look towards the goal. The end, the goal that I'm talking about is Christ. I think there's three ways our our eyes can come off Jesus. Once is that we we fix our eyes on the race. And what I mean by that is the issues that we face in life, but not at the end of our life, asking simply, why am I not making the money that I want? Why aren't the relationships that I'm in as satisfying as I want? Why aren't the kids quiet on Sunday afternoon when it is the best time to take a nap? I think another time we we simply take our eyes off Jesus is when we're looking at other people beside us that are running theirs and we start asking the questions, why doesn't my race look like theirs? Or, or, Or why are they ahead of me? Or why does my race seem harder than theirs? We're concerned about these other things rather than the thing that's right in front of us. I think the third thing that keeps our eyes off Jesus at times 
is actually ourselves. Asking, man, why am I not praying enough? Why am I not witnessing enough? Why, why am I not holy enough? I think when we start looking inwards, we're gonna be discouraged. We're gonna feel guilt. We're gonna feel shame. And, and, and literally the author's saying, no, don't look at yourself. Don't look at other people. Don't look at the race. Literally look to the finish line. Look at Jesus. And how do we do that? Man, we spend our life looking at him, thinking about him, talking about him, learning about him. Our lives need to be centered on him, hearing him, singing about him, thinking about him, reading about him, learning about him, rejoicing in him. Why him? Because he ran the race absolutely, completely, totally perfect. He is the model to how we're supposed to run our race. We can't get caught up on witnesses like, like David and trying to be like David because man, he, he is a man after God's own heart, but also he's an adulterer. We can't, we can't want to say, man, I want to be like Moses. Man, he led Israel out of Egypt. He also killed a guy. See, Jesus is the founder. And when we talk about founder, we talk about forerunner. As others will follow after him on this race. Founder and perfecter are titles of his. He is the ultimate man of faith. And see, if we seek to run our race to, 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 on this journey of faith, having Jesus be the one we focus our eyes on, not Moses, not David, not the apostle Paul, who all ran in perfect, in perfect races, we gotta keep our eyes on the one who ran without any misstep. So going back to verse two, looking to Jesus, we, we listen to the testimony of, of, the, of the witnesses all throughout chapter 11, we also let, lay aside any hindrances, any waste, any sins that, that keep us from running towards him as we look towards him. Why do we do it? Who for the joy that is set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So as we listen, as we lay aside, as we look, let us be motivated, even in the, midst of, in the midst of hard and most difficult of times, for the joy that is to come. That is being in the literal presence of God. Like, like, just stepping back for a second, that, that blows my mind. Being in the literal presence of God. See, Jesus took on the cross for he knew what was before him. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He took on the guilt of you and I and the punishment that we deserve. See, Jesus chose joy in going to the cross because he knew what that would accomplish. 
He endured the hardships of the cross because the joy of what was to come. He endured the cross for the best is yet to come. I gotta ask, does our lives reflect that? That the best is yet to come. I mean, I love holidays. I love spending time with my family and seeing friends and rejoicing with you. But, but even when I sit back and I hear our congregation, our family, praise out of the joy of their heart, it, to be honest, it doesn't even compare to the joy I know being in his presence. See, he endured the cross because it was the assignment that the father gave him. He he found joy going to the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel that is going to reconcile us back to God. And, And he despised and hated the shame and the humiliation that came from dying on the cross. I know we have youth and children in here. The pain of of putting the nails through the hands and and the ankles. And not just lightly putting on the crown of thorns, but but make sure in their stick. I know many of you guys know what the cat of nine tails is, and I don't want to get too specific. The spitting, the beating, the abuse that he had to endure doesn't even come close to the wrath of God that he had to endure. But he said, even in the hardest of times, I know what this is bringing. I know what this is accomplishing. This is bringing people back to reconciliation with God. Through faith in who I am, who God is, and what I am accomplishing, there is going to be forever joy. See, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and and now has been raised from the dead, and because of his faithfulness, is seated at the right hand and the right side of the throne of God, a place of universal sovereignty and dominion, the fulfillment of of Daniel chapter 7. But why am I talking about this? Why am I talking about running the race? Because I believe the best is yet to come. We are always moving in a certain direction. I'm asking, what direction are we going to? Are we fixing our eyes on Jesus now because of what is to come? Are we wanting to be with him? Do we know we haven't run the perfect race? But Jesus did. Do our eyes reflect that Jesus ran the perfect race? Do we put our trust and hope and peace and joy and comfort in him because of his love for us? It's literally going back to this, man, his love was poured out on the cross for us that gives me hope no matter what situation, that, that, that the peace that I have, that because of what Christ has done, my faith in him, I have been reconciled with God, is going to show in my joy in life, that there's nothing greater. Francis Chan, uh, if you haven't listened to Francis Chan, he is so much better than me. Um, dude just rocks it every time he's up there. And I've seen him and I've seen others give this illustration. Um, oh, here, this is literally 50 feet of rope. I know because I bought it. 
Now the bad thing is, it's in a big old knot right now. But the thing is, this rope is, is merely a reflection. See, it is 50 feet. Man, I did not know this 50 feet was that long. <laughs> this right here. This rope is an example. See this aspect right here? It's painted red. It's, it's, it's to exemplify our life here on earth. A lot of people try to find joy in this red part. I mean, they live for this. They, they seek money for this. They find their greatest treasure and value in this. Because they know where this red and white part meet, that's the end of this life. See, I know we've all, and I mean, we've all had challenges and difficulties in this red. It's the reason I don't live for this part right here. See, this white part, I wish that I could buy a rope that goes on for eternity. I wish I had money that can buy a rope that goes on for eternity. <laughs> All of this right here shows, it's just an example of spending our greatest joy in the presence of God. Now I know I've kept it all in a knot. This is one of them, I've been looking forward to this. Pastor Michael, will you come up here for a quick second? <laughs> Man, how many of you guys have ever wanted to tell your boss to do something? If you could just walk all the way, I know you're gonna go past the camera, but can you walk all the way to the door? This is your one shot. My one shot, yes, and I'm gonna use it. I'm gonna take it. This is only four inches. That red part is only four inches. Keep on going. I mean, he is well past the camera. Look, my hand is covering up just the red part. Look how much white there is. And that is not even reflecting eternity. Are we looking at how much time we have in life compared to what is to come? When we live our lives, are, are we living it for what is to come? Being with and in the presence of God, just him? I think our lives should demand an explanation. Enduring this part of the rope, enduring our lives now for what is to come, the joy of what is to come. If we say that God is the greatest thing in our lives, wouldn't our lives reflect that? That's why I'm so happy. That's why I'm so joyful. Oh, because I can't wait. No more tears, no more crying. No more cancer. No more abusive words or abusive touches. No more cops having to patrol. No more parents having to leave their children or their children having to leave their parents. This is a day that I can't wait for. Oh, the joy. So I want to live in that. I want to just soak that joy in. Because there is nothing greater in life than a relationship with Christ. Knowing the future of being with God. 
Let our lives reflect that. Let, let 2018 be a life, a year. Scratch a year. Give us a life of pure joy and living on the white side of the rope. Do you guys want that? I want that. Oh, come on. Let that be our year. If we could have the band come up, let us just pray. God, you are so good. You are so faithful. Let us continually have a clearer picture of who you are. Let us continually see the joy that is with you, being with you, surrounded by you. God, let us have a desire to pick up our Bibles, not because we feel we have to or obligated we have to, but because we want a clearer picture of you. Let us just enjoy you more, treasure you more, embrace you more this year than we ever have because we have a clearer picture and we just want to embrace you more. Father, we want to give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor, simply because it's you. You and you alone. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.